So, good morning, and we are in the middle of a halacha series, but we are looking at certain laws pertaining to prayer as they are enlightened with, with Hasidic ideas, which are very esoteric and very deep and very beautiful. And we also happen to be a few days before the month of Elul. So I just want to give a quick intro, and if we're going to have a ladies' Rosh Chodesh class, we'll, we'll dive more into that. But here's my intro. The Torah doesn't name our months. The Torah numbers our months. Nisan is called in the Torah and in Tanakh, month number one, Chodesh Arishain, Chodesh Hasheni, number two, number three. The names of the months were given when we went into exile the first time, meaning after the first temple was destroyed. And it's very interesting to find out more who decided who chose these names, there is no consistency, which should provoke curiosity. They're not all Hebrew names, some of them are. Some of them are names in other languages, like Tammuz is the name of an idol in Aramaic. Tammuz, they had an idol that the way they worshiped the idol was to lament. We love that, right? Oh, cry, cry. cry about how things are so terrible and how the traumas. That was the name of the idol. And it's geschmack. Some people push it, the tainu they get, they should make a bracha, shachiyano, before they get into that anguish. And and so the chachamim, with their wisdom, wanted to point out that, yeah, we're entering the month of Tammuz, which is a month of mourning, but everything has the right place and the right balance. If overdoing something is mamish, idol worship. I always speak about the WhatsApp groups, about every day there's a new tzara, which is true. Every day there's 8 billion people. Every day there's a lot of issues. I'm not minimizing the issues. But if it's not balanced on the same chat with all of the babies that are born and all of the simchas that are happening, a a person gets a very unhealthy, distorted uh, perception of what is, of what is. You don't know what is. You're just looking at that. Or when a person looks within themselves. And it's important to see the blemishes and to go through the traumas. This is the minute today. I think it's a beautiful thing. As long as... It's balanced. And if it's unbalanced, then it's extremely unhealthy and heavy. So they so there they put, they picked a word in Aramaic or some other older older language. What does Elul mean? Av is, an, is a Hebrew name. Av, father. Menachem Av, Hebrew, it's Hebrew names. All right? Who Elul, what does Elul mean? Doesn't mean anything. Elul is a acronym, a abbreviation. Rosh Tevis. Like that in itself, like one month is a name, one month is this, and it's an acronym to five statements that we have in Scripture. Five. Scripture includes Tanakh. And they represent five themes of the month of Elul. The Rebbe would often address the five. Just Bikitzit. Now, the first abbreviation that forms the word Elul, Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, is Ina Liyadoi Vesamti Lach. These are words that we have in the portion of Mishpatim. It's in reference to certain circumstances where people need to find refuge. Technically, if someone manslaughters, not murders, that means they kill without intent, in certain circumstances, the person has to physically relocate. 
To Beverly Wood. What are you talking about? Machaya uh, to like yeah, but it was nice and and you know yeah. That's a, and and the, the Baal Shem Tov says that that means to to find refuge in the words of Torah. Because that's exactly what Torah is. When a person learns Torah properly, if they're getting it, I'm not going to use the word escape because it's not an escape. It's a mitzvah. But it's like when there's a, a big storm and you go into a place where everything is great and there's no winds and there's no fires and the air conditioning is there. Beverly Wood, perfect. <laughs> Toyota. Toyota is the refuge. Now, we're not meant to live the whole time in the refuge. We have to go out and see what's not good and fix it. But if you again, you're only going to be out there in the world unless you live here there's a lot of when you live where we live with the homeless there are problems so we have to know we have to deal with it and then every now and then we have to go into the words of Torah. it gives us life it saves us from the mishagas from the chaos so that's one theme of elul that throughout the year if one could conceptually designate a month in which we can afford or we should attempt to allow ourselves to stand one little tefach away from the madness, not by just stepping out and going to the Gehenna over there of Miami. No, of going into the words of Torah, then that's El. Then we have perhaps the most known acronym, is in reference to prayer. It's a month in which ideally we should do more praying like the Sfardin, they do it properly. They get up every morning and they talk, it's a whole different month. I'm speaking for the men. You wake up every morning, you wake up early and you add an hour of slichas, it's beautiful. When you say slichas and you daven, the davening is much better. You don't fall out of the bed into the davening. You you get ready into it. That's that's the, the second. Torah tefillah. The third is tzedakah. The acronym for tzedakah is from Megillah Sester. Ish l'reyeyu umatanot la'evyonim. It's a time in which we're supposed to add in the giving of tzedakah. I would say these three are the most known. And then you have two others. Can you say the third one again? Huh? Say the third one. The third one is yeah. ish l'reyehu in Ashkenazic Hebrew. <laughs> and then you have, going back to the Chumash, es levavcha ve'es levav. What we have right before and right afterwards is God's promise that sooner or later we will all return to him. And our returning won't be a external returning of just doing the right thing. It's going to be a heartfelt, it's going to be an, in, an inner returning. We're going we're gonna to want to go back to God. And not only we, but we and our children, and they're connected. In other words, if I want my children to follow my footsteps, what I do has to be genuine, has to be from my heart. Is that talking about the... Shuvah, Shuvah. It's beautiful. The same verse is using... Right. The same Mila is also... Is also uh, Mila is mentioned there. Mila is also is God's removing of something which is not allowing us to feel God. And when we feel God, we return to God. So, so I think that maybe it's a tako, of Mala Shem No, you're right. Mala Shem So S, S, Levavcha, V, S, Levav. That's the Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. 
Tshuva. So Toira, Tfila, Tzedakah, Tshuva. And now here's the fifth. Now the fifth is by the Arizal. And I want to begin today's class by pointing out the anomaly, the unusualness of the fifth. The fifth is something that many of us say every day. It's in Parshas Bishalach, in the beginning of the song of Az Yashir. It says, Az Yashir, Moshe, Bnei Yisrael, Shir Azoyis, Vayoimru Leimoyr, Vayoimru Leimoyr, Ashir Lashem. They said, in a way where everyone repeated, let us sing to God. Vav, Vav, Lamed, Vayoimru Leimoyr, Ashir Lashem, Aleph Lamed, Vav, Lamed, Aleph Lamed. Vav Lamed, Aleph Lamed is not Elul. It's flipped. It's the backwards Elul. Because you're taking the word and you're, and you're reversing it. As all of the other acronyms flow. And the fifth one, which is redemption. That's the song of Geula. It's a month of redemption. And we're speaking about inner redemption. And God willing, that will cause the outer redemption. The inner redemption is some sort of retroactive transformation. That's redemption. Redemption isn't that from now on things are good. Redemption in Kabbalah and healing, that's a more commonly used word now. Healing has to be retroactive. Has to be retroactive. Let me share with you an unbelievable story. A Chabad story. Chabad class, Chabad story. Here's the Chabad story. That um, there was a there was a, there was a rabbi whose brother many of us knew. I knew the brother of the principal. The family name was Garfinkel. Garfinkel. I know there are many Garfinkels. It's a family. It was a Polish family that became very close to Chabad during, prior to the war, after after the Second World War. The story happened before the Second World War. There was a Garfinkel that was a great scholar in yeshiva. He succeeded a lot, and he got tuberculosis. Got tuberculosis. I don't know if there's a cure for it today. Whatever we have now, imagine then, 100 years ago plus, it was much worse. It's a life-threatening disease, and he was told then that when it's activated, if it's gonna, when, when and if, his life is, he's, he's at the end of his life. He was scared that he'll pass away very quick. At times, it went into remission, didn't bother him, but these, this is an illness, at least that's the way it was then, is that it can just wake up, like many other illnesses. And he decided, which is a sad, but I think it was a, the right choice, that it's not ethical for him to get married. That was his thing. Because a man, a young man, he was probably in his young 20s, he's going to get married, what, have a child or five and then just die? There was no life insurance then. It's not an old word. He says, oh, he can't get married. For right or for wrong, that's a different topic. And he, being the scholar that he was, he was hired in the Lubavitchi Yeshiva to be like the computer. In every yeshiva, you have to have someone that just knows everything. And they, they, they just sit in the main uh, base medrash. So he, if you have a question on anything, he was the go-to. He was a very, he was a great young man and he was ill. Now, there are certain diet foods that are helpful to keep the tuberculosis dormant. And the Rebbe's eldest daughter, the Friedike Rebbe's eldest daughter, took it upon herself to help to help him. It was expensive. Whatever the fruits were, whatever the foods were, goat's milk, whatever, these are poor Polish bachram before the war. And he would, on occasion, whether it was twice a week, he would go to the Friedike Rebbe's house 
and Chana would give him a package. He comes to the house one time and he tells the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter that tell the Rebbe, tell your father that I had a dream last night. And in my dream, I was standing by the fifth Chabad Rebbe. I went back and I heard the Rebbe Rashab give a Hasidic discourse, a mimer. He said Torah on the brach of Shmona Esri that begins with the words, Rafa'eno Hashem Venerafe. Oh, heal us, God, and let us be saved. And that's a great thing to have a dream. But then he told the Rebbe's daughter, and it's so vivid that I can repeat the whole mimer. And you should know that it is of great significance. If someone merits to dream that they're learning Torah, it's of great significance. And much greater yet, if they can remember what they learned. And here it wasn't only his learning. It means he dreamt that he's standing by his Rebbe of his youth, by the, by the fifth Chabad Rebbe. And he heard a Hasidic discourse and he remembers it. Wow. That's something special. And what happened was is like this, is that Chana related it to her father. And he got very excited and he asked her, did he say that he retained it? In Yiddish, Erhatis, does he have it? And she said, yeah, he has it. So the Rebbe said, if that's the case, you should let him know that he's healed. It was a moment about healing and he should go right away back to his doctor. And let me tell you what happened. He went back to the doctor, they took a new x-ray. Not only did he not have tuberculosis, but this is a story that's related by his extended family. He never lived, he, he got killed during the Second World War. He was killed by, the, he was burned by the Nazis. He says that they took the x-rays, the old x-rays, and there was no tuberculosis there. In the first place. In the, that means that that's called retroactive healing. That's the real healing. You, you were never sick. He was never sick, I, he was sick. From then on, retroactively, he was never sick. This story is a miracle story. Now, when it comes to tuberculosis, you need a miracle. But I think it's important to understand redemption. Healing has to be retroactive. And it could go, we can, I can, we, we can understand what that means without a miracle. This is hard work. We can make that miracle. But it would always involve reinterpreting events of the past, rearranging events of the past. So there's the chronological order of how things play plays out when we go forward in time. And then God gave us the capacity to remember. God gave us the capacity to forget, which is also a blessing. We have to know when to use it, where to use it. But let's speak about remembering. But when we remember the past, it's like oh, everything happened at the same moment. It happened in the past. It's all in the same past. And what we get to do is... It's like the stargazers of old, like every event is a star. Every event is something that you remember. How do you connect the dots? And there's infinite ways of connecting the dots and there's the right way of connecting the dots and there's the wrong way of connecting the dots. And the ultimate redemption is when we reconnect the dots in a new way and that reinterprets. So we change the past? So we mamas change the past. We change the meaning of the past. We can, the event of the past is a fact. But an event without a meaning, like a word that's gibberish, is nothingness. So the word table means something because you speak English. 
the word table means nothing if you don't speak English. And even more, if the word table means something in English and something else in French, then it's Gavaldic. Now we're beginning to talk because then you can hear a word, a word, there's a word, and you can for many years understand that to mean A, and really it meant B. And everything changes. And everything changes. So it's time travel. So it's redemption. Geula. And that's why Dafke by Geula is the abbreviation flipped. Gavaldic. Has to be that way. It can't be redemption without the person looking back, looking back at those things that anguish you. You don't need redemption from Beverly Wood. Hello. You need redemption from Crestview. You need redemption from uh, from where it's not good. And you have to reinterpret it. Yes. What about the redemption when when you did something that affected other people? Sure. How do you redeem that? Because it's not in your hands. There's a person there. They went through stuff after you made that mistake. In the same way. So I would say like this. I think the bigger approach to your question is predicated on emuna that we have, especially as the Alter Rebbe writes a lot on Tanya. That even if someone, Ruven, did something to me, mm-hmm. I have to understand that as God did that to me. Mm-hmm. And even when Ruven made the wrong choice, for which Ruven will be held accountable, even when Ruven made the wrong choice, Ruven has no power over me. Only God has power over me. This is easy to say, very difficult to, to internalize, almost impossible. It's easy if everything is great. The moment someone steps on my foot, for me to say, God, get off my foot, I don't do that. By the way, I shouldn't do it. I should push the guy off my foot. But after he's off my foot, instead of having any anger towards him, Say, God, why did you do that? That's a good madrega. That will be an amazing uh, level to reach. It's, uh, we aspire to get. And I think, and in other words, I have to look at my life. I have to look at that which I, I think happened, or the facts happened, that happened, that happened, what it means, what it meant. And when I get the ultimate redemption will be a reinterpretation. It has to be that way. Re-understanding. You have to revisit. So we get a reinterpretation for the Holocaust. We're going to have to have that, but we have to wait for Mashiach. The Rebbe was, was adamantly adamant that no one should revisit that other than looking back at it. We have to look back at it. Never to forget. Like Zachor al we have to remember. But there's remembering an event and then the interpretation. These are two separate things. I want to say a psychological phenomenon. That, that if you have a pen and paper, I'll just point it out to you. Just my little illustration. It's something that Mamish is emis. Thank you. Here we go. We got it. We got it. So no good. So, so, so let's say this is the event. This is the event that happened. Now when you look at it, when you go back, what you are actually doing is, is that you have to be, to look at something, you are distancing yourself from it at the Your same time. Yeah, I know. And then, and then when you re, when you go back again, and you go back again, and you go back again, what's basically happening is the whole time, back at something, you're not aware of it, you're 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 more removed from it as time goes on. So the event doesn't change, but the very fact that you are changing, 
we are becoming more aware, we're becoming hopefully greater people, just that will, will allow you to look at a different and it's going to place a distance. And sometimes the distance is necessary to understand what is. You're in it, right? We're very subjective, etc. Okay. So in other words, you have to remove your emotions from it in order to see it. I didn't say that. I think, yeah. I think, I think understanding something differently will, will automatically, will automatically uh, cause you to emotionally react to it differently. We have to have emotions. Don't say removing emotions is Buddhism. Is no, negative, negative emotions. It doesn't matter. You are what you are. You feel what you feel. Don't control emotions. Alter Rebbe says that. We, we have to look at things. We have to look at it again and look at it again and look at it again. And when we do that, when we do that, we are distancing ourselves from it. And ultimately, when we are able to see it with another detail, that will change everything. It's not just the detail. And, and as that happens... It takes on another meaning. It takes on another meaning, and something bad becomes something good on a deep level. That's the redemption, retroactive. Okay. So that's the intro to coming back to something interesting. I'm going to learn a few halachas as we do every uh, Tuesday. First of all, we establish. Sure. You said something bad becomes something good, but that's very different than it was never bad in the first place. If you experienced it as bad, then at that time, for you, it was bad. Uh-huh. Nothing will, don't negate that. In fact, whether that was um, the means of the ego getting humbled, whether that was a punishment for some other bad that we did, whether that was, what I'm saying now sounds funny, but I'll repeat, my 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 father tells me, told me that his, his father hit him. He said, Ta, why did you hit me? What did I do? He says, it's credit. <laughs> Terrible joke. My Zayda wanted credit. You know what I'm, but let me tell you what the good part of this state. Mrs. Fishman, you can't relate to that. My Zayda, my father told me that he once got a slap from his father. Okay. That, that was the minute then. He got a patch. So he, so he says, Tachi, he called him in Polish, What did I do? So his father told him, No, it's for what you will do. I'm getting credit. He's getting credit. So next time you misbehave, I already got it in there. What? It's a terrible joke, and it's very bad. This the hitting is horrible, but the concept that when something happens, it's not always connected to the past. Just begin with that. It's it's preparing you for the future. Just that. And if I if I wouldn't have undergone that, I would not have been ready for this. But that God takes care of. We don't. Need oh, to. we have to take. We take care of nothing. We have to accept what is. We have to stop denying what is. And if what is is painful, one of the ways out is to ignore it. That's the biggest mistake. You have to know what is, and you react the way you react, and then you have to revisit. And by the way, the month of Elul is called the month of taking an account. Taking an account means you look back at the year. What was the year? Don't only look at the good things, which is how the optimistic people that get everyone angry, they're always happy. That's what they do, because everything is wonderful. Right, Trakut but Zangot, but they're they're delusional. It's it terrible is is that it's that it's that it's a denial of God. It's denial denying reality and denying God is the same thing. And then you have the people that the Tamils people, they can't get enough of it. You know how many bad things happen this year, and this and they're right, and and then they get into that mode. And then you have Pasha go back go back and see what what happened, and a, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. You're saying if something bad is happening, <clears throat> real, 
Yeah. But that person says, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, everything is fine, everything is fine. You're saying this person, by, by making everything hunky-dory, and, is actually denying that there is something well, negative. Well, uh, let me say like this. If that person would be a tzaddik, which he's not, if that person in their bones, in their be'emes, would, 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 would be humble and accept that as good be'emes, then it's amazing. Then we should be wowed. But when a person is not on that level, Rabbi Shusterman, Gershon Shusterman, who, when he was 36, his wife suddenly passed away when he had how many kids? 14 kids? 11 kids. And he wrote this great book and he spoke in Sola. And one of the most beautiful things he said is that he's a practicing rabbi with a nice big beard from a Hasidic home, always taught that everything is from God, believing in it. God is good. Everything is good, believing in it. So what he did is that when he had the tragedy that should never happen to anyone, that his wife passed away, he viewed this as an opportunity to role model everything is from God. And what the words that he thought, see the words that we think is not where we're at. Just like I can lie to you, I can say, oh, this is so nice, when in my heart I don't find it nice. We can all do that. Words, right, are, are, are garments, they're not you. You can say words to yourself that are not true. So he went around for 10 years saying how everything is great. And the fact that there was a part in him, not all of him, he would, there was a part in him that was very angry, angry at God. How can you do this to me? He did not allow himself to acknowledge that such thoughts were in his mind. And that in itself is very unhealthy. And what he needed to undergo and the courage that this man has to get up in public and speak about it is to finally admit that of course his neshama believes that everything is for the good. It doesn't negate, it's not a kind, we are filled with contradictions, but there is a part of him that is, that, that is very angry. How can you do this? I did not deserve this. What did my kids do to lose their mother? And, 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 and permitting himself to acknowledge a feeling is extremely important. And it doesn't in any way make him less connected to God. That's a yid that's connected to God. So there was a part of him that just is part of God, the innocent part, the neshama part, and then there is a part of him that has to struggle with God. The word Yisrael means to struggle, to struggle and to overcome, but there's a struggle. There is no life without struggle. The, the people that don't struggle are people that live in a delusion. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. Like the people, everything is terrible. Did you hear what happened every day? Did you hear what happened? <laughs> and let's say the whole Tehillim four times. And we always start saying Tehillim when it's too late. We love it because deep down we know we're going to say Tehillim and that person ain't going to be here. And how great is that? They love it. They're, they're nachas. Uh, I don't want to take it away. If that's what they get, but they're unhealthy people. Every chat has a Huh? Every WhatsApp chat has one Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying we have Baruch no. Collectively, we should balance each other out. Yeah. Okay, so coming back over here. Um, we, we began speaking last week that we make blessings prior to doing a mitzvah. And we quoted the Shulchan Aruch that says that women should make, like men, the blessings every morning, which are the blessings for the study of Torah. It's really all together with the other 15, 16 blessings. 
together with the Nethel Shedayim, with Asher Yardzar, we call them Birchot or Birchat Hashachar. And it's uh, good to do them every day. And what's unique about the blessings before the Torah is first of all, we say it one for the whole day, which is unusual. Right? When you do a mitzvah, those mitzvahs that demand that you make a bracha, you do it before you do the mitzvah. And then if you made, made a big interruption, you make it again. Like a, a sukkah, as we said before. When you go into the sukkah, leisha basukkah. If you leave the sukkah, you come back a few hours later, you have another meal, leisha basukkah. We make the blessings for the Torah once a day, for the whole day. But I'm not going to focus on that. I want to focus on the fact that this is the only blessing before a mitzvah that we don't make one, we don't make two, we make three blessings. You don't find this in other places. Three blessings before a mitzvah. The first blessing is, Baruch Hashem Now we have a machloik, is what the text is. Many people say, La'asoik b'divrei soira to occupy oneself with the, with, the, with, with the words of Torah. In, in the Alter Rebbe's Siddur, in our Siddur, we say, al divrei Blessing number two is, we say, ve'ha'arevno. May it be pleasant or arvut. May we really feel responsible one for the other, etc., etc., etc. And then the third bracha is, barachat Hashem al-Kerim al-Cha'ilam, asher amim, this bracha for your sons, um, they or son-in-laws or grandsons. Um, that's the bracha that we also make before reading the Torah in public. And when every person that's called to the Torah prior to their reading, they make the Asher Bachar Banu bracha. So first of all, why do we have three blessings? Simple question. And the correct, the accurate answer, the answer LP, LP, Kabbalah, is that there is the obligation to learn Talmud. I'll explain that in a moment. There is the obligation to learn the Mishnah or Halacha. And then there is the obligation to learn Scripture, Tanakh. Gemara, Mishnah, Tanakh. The first blessing is for the Gemara. The first blessing is for the Gemara. The second bracha is for Mishnah. And the third blessing is for Scripture. So when someone gets called to the Torah, Scripture, Chumash, they made that bracha, Shabbat Isn't Isn't it all part of the same Torah? Yes, it is. But in brief, let me just add one more question. If it's being recorded, just, these, are good, these are good things to know. What came first? Scripture. Then came the Mishnah. Then came the Talmud. So why are we doing it out of order? Even more. What do we do after we make the three blessings? What, what do we say right afterwards? Very good. We say scripture. Then we say Mishnayis. And later we say Gemara or Braises in the, in the prayers. It's when we, we make a bracha and you do the mitzvah. When we actually do the mitzvah, we, we do it in the way that it was chronologically given to us. When God gave us the Torah, first we got the Luchais and the, the, and, and the Scripture. After the second temple was rebuilt, we began with the Mishnah. And after the second temple was destroyed, plus we began with the Gemara. It was given, chronologically it was given that way. 
Going back to the going in the river. But when we make the blessings, we go in the river. We begin from the last. And why is that? So to continue a theme that we learned last week, and if you didn't come last week, it doesn't matter. But this is very important ideas. And that is like this, that the Torah is a vehicle through which God gives himself to the Jew. Mamash. Hashem is giving himself to you in the Torah. Now, I, these words should, be, should sound absurd. How, how can God give himself to you? God and, and us. The gap is too big. Go, go share some words with the rock. How would you do that? Dialogue, gift. There has to be a, a, a cashier. God knows how to give. It's possible because God is almighty, not because we're that great. And we should all acknowledge that there is a big talent in knowing how to give. Just like there is a talent in knowing how to receive. You know, some people, they can't take a compliment. Not everyone knows how to receive. You have to know how to give. And there's two things. You have to give something from your panemius, right? If you give externally, the other person on some level knows that. You're not giving. So there's there's giving from within you. And the challenge is, is that the deeper it's coming from within you, the deeper that it's coming from within you, the harder it will be for you to package it in a way where the recipient will be able to receive it. We spoke two weeks ago about connecting. No, it's external connecting to external is easy. You can give someone a cup of water, machaya, easy. The moment you are going deeper, everything gets a lot more difficult, difficult, challenging for you to be aware of your deeper and your giving. The greatness of God is, is that God gave something from within him on the deepest level to the point that, that in the Zohar says that God rode himself in the Torah. God mamish gave himself to us and the second step is, is that God packaged it in a way that we can receive it. So I'm going to use my babushka doll as the metaphor. So you have the inner doll, and then it's in the outer doll, and then there's an outer doll. When you receive it, what do you get first? The outer. And then you have to unpackage it. God is completely beyond us. He's certainly beyond our understanding. He's certainly beyond our understanding. If something makes sense, it's not God. If you understand God, you understand not God. You understand something else. The moment it begins to not to make sense, now you're getting somewhere. Because we're talking about God. Not that it helps me that it doesn't make sense. But of course it doesn't make sense. It's an absolute. Completely beyond us. And there is nothing we're going to do that's going to change it. Try to manipulate do this and do that. And no. If we're manipulating it, then the it is not God. So why would we even want have anything to do with that it? It's not the real thing. The real thing is so absolute and so greater than us. Okay. So God gave something that's beyond understanding. And that is Chumash. And that is why I'm not talking about this story. I'm talking about 
there is, if if there is barely a mitzvah that you can read it and know what God wants, you Pasha don't even understand. You don't understand it. I'm not talking about the story part. I'm talking about the guidance, and even the guidance from the stories they're packaged already. You can read the same story and understand 80 different things. Mamish. What's the message? It's like the letters of the Rebbe. You pull out a letter and everyone understands something else. Don't know. The Mishnah is clearer. The Mishnah is giving you a logic. Explaining what God wants. You ask, like, how do you can... The Mishnah is not the Chumash. Not the this is, do this, don't do that. But the ultimate, the ultimate outer packaging that allows us to under, to receive is the logic behind it. Because when you hear, this is what you should do, if you don't get the rationale, it's very difficult to bring it within you. Okay, I accept, if that's what you want, that's what you want. People normally are very irritated when they said it. I'll do it for you with a lot of joy, no anger, but I don't get it. When you understand something, it's Ganeiden. Ah. And that's the Talmud. The Talmud is the part of the Torah that, that gives Tam, explains, you begin to chap. Now there's a catch. The catch is, is that if I'm getting it, I'm getting less of God. I'm getting more of God's understanding. See, because the gap is so big, so there's this thing, there's like a ladder. Either you're on the top or on the bottom. So it, we first have to begin with the Talmud. That's the bracha. We have to begin, we spoke last week with the outer. I, I'm not born at Sadiq. I can hear the words, everything that happens is for the good. And then when a person suffers a tragedy, now it's my opportunity, I'll make it, I'm, I'm going to show the whole world that I really believe in it. And the more I shout, it won't help, unless I'm a tzaddik. But if I'm not, it's just words. I'm camouflaging, I'm hiding, I'm burying all of my feelings with the beautiful words that everything is great. Everything is great. Baruch Hashem. My mother likes shouting that. I tell my mom, Ma, the louder you shout Baruch Hashem, the more pain you are in. <laughs> and, and, and you can laugh. You know my mother, the mamish. At least she acknowledges it. But that's, that's the way you go. So there's a beauty to that. Everything is amazing. Yeah, yeah, but no. So so you begin from the hour. You have to get the attention of Hashem. Hmm? What was that? I said you need to get the attention of Hashem when you say, Baruch Hashem, and make it loud. And you... I, think, I think that, that when a person from the right place does both, not one or does both, there's a part in us that Taka has a Muna. We have in the Shama. And together with that, like Moshe Rabbeinu told God, I don't understand what you're doing. Moshe Rabbeinu was, was telling God, you made it worse. You told me to do something and people are suffering more. God, how can you do that? Don't send me. There's a beauty to that. There's an emes to that. That's talent. Because we have to begin relating to God on our terms. Because if we're going to jump beyond our terms, it's not us. And then we graduate. The Mishnah is understandable, but there's already no time. No time means there's no reasons.
but at least you understand what you're talking about. And then you go to the Chumash. Now, when you learn the Chumash, it's pure godliness. And that's why we don't get it. That's why when we read it, we have no idea what God wants. There are 8 billion people, at least half believe that the Bible is from God. And look how many different peoples, billions, understand it so different one from the other. The only reason why we know the Emes is not because we're smarter, it's because God told Moshe Rabbeinu what he meant. When you open up a Chumash, you cannot... It, 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 nothing makes sense. It's like Parsha Noah. Every year we read it. Every year, different rabbis, different. Um, they have different. Correct. Um, Correct. That, and that's even from a story. But, but by the way, when it comes to a mitzvah, everyone has the same lamet thirty-nine melachot that we can do on Shabbos. It's not that different. Nowhere in the Torah does it say thirty-nine. It doesn't say any melach. It's like, like you read. You, if God was communicating, why didn't he say what he wants? God did. God said that in the Mishnah. God said that in the Talmud. But God also wanted to keep himself intact. And that's the way, that's the closest we can get to God. Luchas is even greater. We're not going to get into the Luchas. So, so we are beginning in the opposite direction. I want to make that point. We are making a bracha for the learning of Talmud. Then we make the bracha for learning Mishnah. Then we make a bracha for learning the Chumash. But when we actually begin the learning, we begin it in the right chronological order. We begin with Chumash. When our kids go to school, we begin with Chumash. And I can tell you, by the boys, and then Mishnah, and then Gemara. But then we have to go backwards. Then we have to go backwards. So things play themselves out in one order. From God's perspective, the Chumash comes before the Mishnah. When God is coming close to me, God is the most in the Chumash. Mamish. There's more God, there's halachas. If you have a Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah falls on the floor. God forbid, you have to fast. The Gemara falls on the floor in Ishkafrelech. In other words, from God's perspective, what comes first? The scripture. Then it gets packaged again in the Mishnah. Then it gets repackaged in the Gemara. From our perspective, from my perspective, what's greater is too far away from me. I cannot jump and get there. I cannot jump a step. That's what we spoke last week. Begin from where you're at. No, I have to know where I am. Like revisit last year. Going back to this guy. And, and how, how, what, what happened? How, don't begin with the emunah. Begin with what happened. But then look at it again. And we do have emunah. How can I re-understand it? How can I reorder it? How can I reinterpret it? We don't begin with, the, with, with God's perspective. We should never do that. It's, 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 it's not emes. I have to begin with my perspective. And I know that my perspective is very limited. So at the end of the year, I have an opportunity to look back. And when you're in it, and it's difficult or great, the emotions, you know, it says, Ahava mikalkeles esashura, which means that love makes a line crooked. Means emotions are so powerful you can't even think straight. If you're thinking straight, you're not really having the experience. They distort reality. They distort reality. So, so there is how I'm perceiving it when I'm in it, and and that's an emes. And then there's me going back. And the goal is every time I go back, I'm a, I'm able to go deeper, and I'm able to go deeper. That's the goal. And when we come to a certain level, the whole thing becomes different. And that's part of the avoid of Chodeshel. And that's a beautiful lesson in life. Remember, you make the brachas on Gemara, Mishnah, Chumash, but then you actually go through the steps in, the, in God's order. I think reality plays out like in God's order. 
for whatever reason. God is orchestrating history. But for me to chap, how many times does it happen to us that we only understand what happened uh, two years ago because of something that happened today? Ah, we are informed later. Yehuda, right, the crazy story in the Chumash, that Yehuda, right, he had his daughter-in-law who became pregnant from him. How crazy is that? And he thought that she committed adultery. Just by the way, before the title was given, the union between a brother-in-law and or a father-in-law, we don't have that anymore, with a daughter-in-law that had no children from the deceased, it's called Yibum. No, today Yibum was only done with brothers. It happens. It means that, God forbid, if there's a couple that's married and he passes away without having any children, not only no children from her, no children at all, if he left a brother or brothers, then there is a connection between the brother and the widow. Today you severed the connection. A get won't even work by doing chalitza, which is a ceremony, very powerful. And Or you can consummate the connection by getting married. And whoever remembers the story, the bottom line is, is that Yehuda, not with good intentions, had a relation with her. She gets pregnant. Yehuda was one of the judges that condemned her to death. To death, to be burnt on the stake. And her awesomeness is that she did not point a finger on him. She did take a lateral from him and she announced in the court that the person to whom these articles belong to, he is the father of, 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 of my children. She had twins. So what happened? So Yehuda looked at those articles, look at the greatness of, that's called a great man. Not a great man that he never sinned. That's not a great man, that's an angel. That he made it the worst mistake and he had the guts. Can you imagine what type of ethics Yehuda needed to have as the judge to say, Tzadka, I'm the father. Mine. Wow. That's a wow. The failing is terrible. Here you see how the fixing is a greater, greater than the failing. Wow. And what and what happened? He realized that he had he, he saw his ex-daughter-in-law, she's pregnant, so he saw her in a certain light. And then all of a sudden he saw her in a completely different light. That's redemption. Not for her, for him. She was the same the whole time. That was his redemption. Redemption is you look back, sometimes you needed to be informed of something, something new. Sometimes it's not a new piece of information, it's that hopefully we grew. So we have a lot of more information. And you look back at the same thing and you see Mamish the opposite. And he married her and these, these kids are, are the... Are the the grandparents of Mashiach. Because that's that's that the whole thing is a Mashiach thing. Mashiach meaning that there's a fall of man. Look back in the last year, we're not tzaddikim. And then there's the redemption of man. Angels don't have redemption because they never fail and they never fall. Angels. Malachim, they're perfect. Perfect. Even though parenthetically you have these stories in the Gemara, they have to be understood. That's the whole story of mankind. God created Adam and Chava with the design for them to do tshuva. For them to do tshuva, they needed to fail. This should never be said before a sin. God forbid. For me to do tshuva, I'm going to, God, no, that's terrible. That's abusing of something holy. That's mamish, that's the chilul Hashem. But going back, 
We have to re-understand everything. And that's going to bring redemption. That, that's Mamash HaGa'ula. And yeah, when Mashiach will come, the Rebbe used to cry when he quoted that Pasuk. There's a Pasuk in Scripture that says that we will praise you, God, for all of the afflictions of the past. That's what the Rebbe was seeing, what will happen after Mashiach comes. Not to not feel the pain of the affliction, to feel the pain of the affliction. Even the Rebbe cried when he spoke about the Holocaust, when he spoke about his, how his father died, how his mother aged, how his brother was killed by the Nazis. I mean, the affliction, real, the worst. The worst is being killed by the anti-Semites. And he believed that there'll be a time that we'll be able to look back and not only accept it, see the good in it, praise God. So maybe merit to have that this year. Amen. Amen.